Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. Welcome in to another edition of Talking Solutions with the Chesh. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. In this episode, we are talking a little bit about other countries and artisan crafts and things of that nature as well. Joined here by a very special guest, Ms. Heidi Metz. And Heidi, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Will. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, and thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, this is a podcast that talks about solutions and what your company does, the largest company that I find really interesting, and I want you to explain it obviously in more detail, uh, is the sourcing of gifts from artisan women from around the world in those communities. So just tell me a little bit about how you kind of came up with this idea and what it is that largest company does and, and what it is that the shop sells. So we source artisan-made, handmade gifts that are heirloom quality from artisans around the world, and mostly from developing countries. And just because of the nature of it, it's mostly women that are making these gifts. That's amazing. That's amazing. And are there are there countries in specific that you get kind of sourced more from than others? Uh, a lot from Africa, a lot from India. It's pretty much all over, none from the Antarctica, but most continents are, are well represented. Uh, we're just starting to get into Aboriginal art from Australia, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, pretty much around the globe. All over the world. See, that's what's really, really cool. And I want to know just, well, number one, I guess we'll start before we get into your background, just so people have more of an idea about what it is. And, and you know, what are some of the, the, the types of products? Are they gifts for, for, you know, businesses? I know that you, you do that type of stuff, but other options for personal, home, work, uh, birthdays, things right. of that nature. So, so for about three years, we've been doing corporate gifting. And just two weeks ago, we launched retail. And so now we have gifts for men, women, home, baby. And just this week, we have a whole shipment for your fur babies as well. Ooh, so fur babies. Ever so popular these days, right? You got to get on that. That's a market. Right. <laughs> we just awesome. got a dog this year. So we have to get into fur babies. Oh, very cool. What type of dog is it? He is a Schnauzer Poodle mix, we think. He's a rescue. With a rescue? Oh, even better. Nothing but positive things coming out from uh, from your lifestyle. That's awesome. So, so Heidi, I think the first question everybody's probably wondering uh, after hearing about literally being sourced crafts from all over the world, how did you get into this? How did you kind of discover it? And what made you inspired to, to create an online shop that supports these, I guess, primarily women and communities across the world? Well, my drive to make a difference began formulating as a young child. I was kind of born into it. My parents started a nonprofit called Mercy Ships. So I grew up living in hospital ships in developing countries around the world. I've lived in over 65 countries. So it's kind of in my blood, in my DNA per se. And then my career has been in high tech. I have worked for Microsoft for many years. I've worked for um, lots of strategy consulting companies. And I have wanted to take my love for helping people and my knowledge of technology and social media and kind of marry the two. And so this is the perfect way to do that, right? To take a retail store online and helping these women artisans that I have known and seen and lived with firsthand 
and be able to bring the two together and make a difference. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, meeting and talking to some of these artisans as well. What what were the reactions when you were kind of like, hey, I think I'm going to uh, potentially do a store here and give you an opportunity to sell this not only locally, but on a global scale? Well, um, most artisans don't believe it. A lot of them have been told this before, right? People come through and say a lot of things, but they're absolutely thrilled when it becomes a reality. Uh, one of the groups that we work with in uh, Guatemala they actually use the money to make a difference in their community. They are committed to breaking the cycle of poverty and the money that they get, not just from us, but from other people that they sell to uh, for the cutting boards that they make. They use it to put into all sorts of programs for education and employment. It's just remarkable. It, no matter what country I have lived in, worked in, visited, the money that comes in for the local artisan, it doesn't stay just with that person. It changes the person the family, the village, the country, the whole economy turns around. Yeah. And, and that's something I kind of want to get into a little bit as well, because I feel like that's not something that everybody's aware of or that everybody kind of, or that a lot of people may not even think about, which, which, you know, is fair. If you don't leave the country, that's not something that's going to cross your mind generally more often. But it is an important part about the world is that it's not just a singular economy, but we have a global economy and, and we have income inequality in all parts on all spectrums. And, and, and it's really kind of upped. I know in my experiences with traveling as well, Guatemala specifically, I mean, I have a really good vision of what you're just talking about based on that and, and my trip there and my experience there is that it really does change it. I mean, you have these communities that this could be the difference if they can make some decent money from this, which they can, obviously. Uh, this could be the difference between getting access to the clean water that they don't have to go down to the well for all the time and things of that nature. So I want you to kind of just share a little bit more about your experiences growing up and your experiences traveling and, and kind of inform the listeners a little bit about what you've seen in some of these developing countries just so they can get an idea of how this change and, and how buying these products are really going to make a big, big difference. Well, I hope our listeners are not too sensitive. So let me start by saying not that long ago, I took my family. So my husband and I and our three kids, and we went and visited a West African country. So this is very recent, very current. And I would try and make a joke out of this with my kids. And we would count how many people pooping we saw along the way. So that's current today because the city of a million people has no city water. There's nothing, right? There's nowhere you can go in and use the bathroom. There's no city restrooms. There's no, there's no sanitation. There's nothing. So you, that's one extreme that's current. That's today. That's how people live in the developing world. They're using just, they're going wherever they can, right? They're leaning over the dock. They're going in a pile. They're going around a corner and they're just as embarrassed as you or I would be right? Because that's private. That's They're wishing you couldn't see. They're doing whatever they can to hide their embarrassment. And then you have the way you and I live with however many bathrooms you might have in your home, right? And then when you pay someone a living wage, then they build a latrine, they call it, in their home, a bathroom or multiple in their, in their home. And then they have plumbing, indoor plumbing, and then they have bathrooms, and then they have cleanliness. And when you have cleanliness, then disease goes down, and when you have cleanliness, then children go to school. And when you have cleanliness, then there's more employment and there's more opportunity and then they live longer, right? All of that changes. So paying a living wage means pride, means 
income means education means health means life it means it just changes everything yeah i, I mean it, literally it is a life-changing event i mean i feel like here we use that word a little bit yeah you know out of privilege for things that may not necessarily be life-changing but for them it absolutely is life-changing so talk a little bit about how those markets kind of work in that area like for example in, in guatemala or in, or in west africa or things of that nature as well when they sell them locally uh you talked about making a living wage and obviously when they sell them there they have to sell them to to, to the market that they have which is unfortunately not at the same level um that some of the other Western countries as well. So tell us a little bit about what you kind of see from a buyer's perspective when you're in those countries and how people go about getting those local products uh, and things of that nature if they did not have the internet to sell. Well, what people need to understand is what is the hours and the time and the skill that goes into making these things. So it's centuries old skills. It's things that we have lost in most of the places in the US, not everywhere, but most of these skills you couldn't find here and couldn't reproduce. Right. If, if you had to pay for a T-shirt and the hours and the time that goes into making that T-shirt from hand, most of us wouldn't be willing to pay it because we want to pay three to twelve dollars for a T-shirt. Right. Because we want it mass produced and we want it cheap and easy. But what these artisans are making takes hours, weeks, sometimes months. They are pulling the reeds say, from the fields, then they are crushing the berries or whatever it is to make the dye, and then they are hand dyeing and then drying the reeds, and then they are weaving, and then they are boiling and soaking the basket to form it, and then they are drying and then boiling and soaking it again. And it takes hours and hours and skills that we don't have that are passed down from generations. So then they take this item that is built with love and with care, and that is beautiful and intricate and gorgeous and something that does not fall apart. Right? It's not some throwaway item that you're just going to toss that you paid $19.99 for and get another one. And they take it to the market, but the economies there are not the same economies as ours. And it's sold for much, much, much less. And usually there, they have taken out a loan from a, a local loan shark to buy the materials. And there's a huge interest, you might want to call it, that comes with a, a huge risk that they then have to pay back. And so they make a small, small, small amount on what that is actually worth. And they have to pay the interest back to the local loan shark. And then what they have, they can barely eat. And then they have to go buy more materials. So it's not enough for them to live on, let alone their family or to pay for school fees for their families. It's just a perpetual cycle of constantly needing to just create, 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 and create because you don't have that that luxury of of going to work from nine to five and then coming home and not having to worry about anything. And it's just subsistence living, and the pressure is is remarkable. How they live and are so kind and generous is is beyond me. It really is. Right, right. It, it goes to show that that happiness can be what you make it um, sure. at, at times, which is which is. I mean, for me, that's the most impressive that I that I see uh, in the in the limited experience I have traveling and, and seeing kind of some of those environments as well. So let's talk a little bit more uh, about largesse now that people kind of have a better understanding of you know what those communities are like, how that process works for them, and, and what they're actually you know they're working very 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 hard uh, to just get the basic standards of living. And so let's talk about how largesse can hopefully help those communities, help them make a little bit extra money, help them work maybe a little bit less and enjoy more time with, with their family and then eventually raise for the communities as well. So tell us a little bit about the process largesse goes through to to get those artisans and in, in building those relationships and then the process of actually getting the, the product 
to putting it in the customer's hands? Well, we get our um, our vendors, our artisans in multiple different ways. As I said, we have been um, working as corporate gifting for about three years. So we have some established artisans. And just yesterday, a group of artisans from India reached out to me through social media and said, hey, would I please consider them? And I looked through some of the pictures they sent me and they have a beautiful inlaid bone tray that I thought was great. So uh, we responded and said, hey, send us a sample. Let us have a look. Let us see if it's the quality that we're looking for for our customers. And uh, we'll see. So that's one way. Social media, they reached out to me. And then we have some artisans that we have met in person and that we work with and collaborate really closely and actually commission items and say, hey, you know, we like this, but we need some different colors or we need the leather to be different or, right, we commission things for our customer base. And then we have um, some that we work with through referrals where we actually know people that say, hey, you should work with this group because they're really well known and you'll like the quality and they're able to keep up with the demand base that you'll have. So that's kind of the three main ways that we uh, work with our, our artisans and our vendors. Because of the growth of social media, it's fantastic. There's so many people now where they're getting on either they have a Facebook account or they have an Instagram account or they have Twitter or something where they're able to reach out to me. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that, you know I want to I want to mention as well. I mean, we talk about the developing countries. You know what is really great about the world today and what we're doing is is they are coming out of poverty at, at a faster rate than 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 all of humankind as well. So I think that's also really positive. Uh, like you said, an opportunity for them to kind of outreach and find those things, and and it's continuing to grow. I do want to mention, regardless of poverty, in all of my travels, regardless of poverty level, they may not have water. They have a phone. They're on social media, regardless of poverty level, because they will they will make sure that they have a phone because that helps them control their future. So they will figure out how to borrow, get a job to purchase a phone, even if it's a pay as you go phone so that they're able to really work towards getting a job. And that's one of the ways that they reach out. Another uh, example of uh, that work ethic that they have over there, you know, doing whatever it takes. So it's fantastic. Um, what about the customers? You know, obviously that's another half, right? Because you have to have people that are going to buy those products as well. So talking from people you know that are your customers and things of that nature as well, what type of response have you been getting from not necessarily the types of products at this point, but but more about the idea and what you're doing and, and the opportunity to buy uh, from these artisans as well. What is kind of their reaction? Well, so far it's great because um, have you ever noticed that when you look around, everything seems to look the same. It's hard to find anything unique. I really notice it looking at um, design shows and open houses, and especially because of our throwaway culture, everything looks the same, right? You toss it and you buy another one of exactly the same. So all of our customers are saying, wow, I'm not seeing anything else like this on the market. This is really fun. This is different. I don't see this anywhere else. And so that's been a really fun response. People are thrilled with what we have and haven't seen it anywhere else. You can't find any of this on Amazon. You can't find this on Etsy. You can't find this anywhere else. Right. It's a very unique niche of products, which is super cool. And, and Heidi, you mentioned it's just been a little while, a few weeks since you've gone direct to consumer after the business. So tell us a little bit about what went into that decision and, and what the hopes and, and goals are from that. Well, we really do want to scale. We're hoping that a lot of people are absolutely thrilled with our products, with the variety of products, the type of products and the quality of the products, um, both for something special for yourself, something, you know, a little extra. And of course, that perfect gift, whether it be an anniversary, an open house, a gift warming, birthday, a baby shower, whatever it might be. Right. 
yeah, it's an opportunity for everybody to to kind of get a share of the pie and experience those unique products that are, like you said, hard to come by. I mean, that's a really good point. Something I didn't really think much about, but yeah, you look around like, oh, brand new product. Uh, phones are a great example. I mean, the iPhone comes out and it's like, it's like three new features, you know, it's the same thing pretty much, you know? So I think that's really interesting and that's great as well that you're kind of getting it. And tell us a little bit about the, the shipping. Do you ship worldwide? Do you ship just uh, primarily domestically here in the US or is it an opportunity for people all over? So, so far, all of our orders have been U.S. Okay. Right now, that's the focus. So, cross um, that bridge when it gets there. Yeah, yeah. We really would like to change the way people give and receive in Seattle. That is our number one focus. But, of course, we're shipping across the U.S. We would like everyone in the U.S. to um, to really hear about us and love our products. And then if there are people interested overseas, we will definitely consider that. Right now, because of COVID, shipping has been very disrupted and shipping is very expensive. So that has been a problem both getting the gifts and it will be a problem shipping the gifts. So we'll see how that works. Right. And tell us a little bit about the shipping process and stuff as well, because I do know that sustainability is a big part of your business as well. So not just the crafts and everything, but you're very much focused on uh, on trying to, to lower that footprint and, and make sure that things are sustainable. So tell us a little bit about how you make that happen. So let me give you an example to make this sink in even more. I mentioned Guatemala. So that company that we work with, and this is true of almost everyone that we work with, it's very important to us that we take care of our planet. But this company that we work with in Guatemala, um, they're the ones that make the cutting boards. Before they felled a single tree, they planted 45,000 new hardwood trees. Wow. So they are committed to taking care of the environment. And that's the kind of partner that we want to work So they made sure to get themselves certified as being, let's see, certified as being sustainable. And that's who we will pick to work with. So we are being eco-friendly in every single one of our choices, in our packaging, in our mailing, in our products, and in all of the practices that we choose and the partners that we choose. So it's across the board. That's fantastic. Yeah, because it's not, you know what, business, I think, in, in, in some degrees, um, well, I mean, you could argue in the majority of degrees, it can be a little bit too much consumed about the money making instead of kind of the solution to the problem, right? It's a little bit more focused on that as well. So I think it's amazing that, you know, you've just spent so much. It seems to me that your business is so much more focused on a solution. I mean, obviously, you want to make money. Everybody wants to make money. It's a, it's a necessity to live, of course. But it just seems to me that, that you've taken so much care into the process of whether it's sustainability, who you're sourcing from, and who you're helping and things as well. And you mentioned that kind of happened to you a little bit as a child. Was there one thing that kind of started that belief? Or was it just like you had mentioned, just the exposure to so many different countries over the years? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I have seen so many people live without that it seems, it just seems crazy to me to consume, consume, consume. I really believe uh, the model of buy well and buy once. Buy well, buy once. Where did you, did you come up with that yourself or did you source that from somewhere? No, that's a Heidi-ism. Heidi-ism. <laughs> when, did, where did that, when did that originate? Oh, that's been with me a long time. All right. I like that. I like that. Very good. That's- that's built in the largest values. Awesome. And, and for largest, back to it a, a little bit more on the kind of the business side of things as well. What have been some of the key challenges that uh, your business is currently faced or maybe overcame or things of that nature as well that, that you're kind of working on solving? Well, okay. I'm going to um, 
let you peek inside here a little. We, um, my partner and I, are very meticulous. It matters to us how the gifts arrive to our customers. So we package them well. So fulfillment matters to us. And so far, we have done most of it ourselves because we want everything folded just so, with a note just so, with a story about the product arriving just so, with a bow just so. Um, but that doesn't scale very well. So that has been a challenge, making sure that our fulfillment partners will replicate how we want everything to arrive and also being eco-friendly. I think the eco-friendly and the sustainability part, especially with some of the shipping concerns that we have right now, can, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's like an added challenge now, um, just with everything going on in the world right now. Right. That has been. And we, and we have figured it out, but that was a, a, a big wall to run through for us. Right. What's the long-term vision for Largess? How do you th how do you think about expanding? Obviously you talked about how social media that's the best when you get inbound leads, right? Somebody coming to you from India and stuff like that. Is that is that the goal is to continue to expand your product line from different sources of of artisans across the world or is there kind of a cap you think before you and you want to see how things go before you start that scaling again or tell us a little bit kind of about the vision for Largess. Uh, we want to keep increasing product lines, especially for men. Go into a lot of personal care and a lot of office products, a lot of leather handmade products for men. That, that's another line we really like to increase. And we have a lot of things for people of color uh, right now. And we want to increase that line as well. Really expand that, which I'm thrilled about because there's so much, especially from emerging markets in Africa that are made by people of color that I think would be perfect for those customers of ours. So that's exciting to expand into. There's there's just so much, but we want to be careful not to do the shotgun approach, but really increase until our customer base really takes hold and we have a lot of, of sales and then expand to the next and then expand to the next. So I'm asking your customers to be patient with us as we scale bit by bit by bit. Yeah. Has it, has inventory been a bit of an issue or is that something that's, that's, hasn't been too much of a, of a problem because based on the shipping thing that you asked for as well? Yeah. Shipping has been difficult. And especially with COVID, it depends. A lot of our vendors have minimums that are really, really expensive. And when starting out, uh, that's painful. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. imagine so. So I want to go back to a little bit and, and talk more about the communities before we, you know, get with people, uh, how people can, can find you, how people can buy from you and how people can help those communities as well as they kind of grow. So you mentioned just communities from all over the world and different kind of systems that they might have, you know, whether it was in Africa with definitely the bathrooms and then Guatemalans that are, you know, planting the trees and that nature as well. So what types of things have you seen? Have you been able to, are there partners that you work with or anything like that that you've considered that are doing some of those work in those kind of lower communities, for example, in, in Guatemala or in Africa as well that you can kind of team up with? Or has it just really been directly to the source of those you know, artisans uh, themselves? Um, there are some collaborators that we have. I think there are three or four collaborators. There's one that represents artisans in, in Southern Africa. There's one that represents artisans in Malaysia. There's one that represents artisans um, in Central America. So there are some that are helping us put, put us in touch with people if we want. Sometimes that's helpful, sometimes not so much. But yeah, there are, there are people trying right now, which is great. So there are, and sometimes we can reach them on the phone. Sometimes they have websites. Sometimes they're not updated, but yeah, there are people sort of working like that. 
Okay. Interesting. Just to see how that communication process kind of worked through the the steps and whatnot, uh, if they weren't outreaching and all that type of things. Yeah. So with that as well, in the products that they kind of get, can you uh, give us some examples of some really cool kind of artisan type products that people could buy for corporate examples that you've been doing the last three years or, or some, some gift examples that they might have? Because I feel like for some people, some of these products might be unfamiliar than what they're accustomed to. Oh, so we work with a group in South Africa that makes these um, wraps that are called kikoi cloth. And in Swahili, that means something to wrap around you. And I use it as kind of uh, when I get out of the out of the pool or out of the lake. So I wrap it around me. Um, you can also use it to wrap your baby around you, you know, like a lot of women do with a newborn. Um, you can use it as a blanket when you're going out like a, a picnic blanket. I use it as a tablecloth when I want something really beautiful. You can kind of use it pretty much anywhere or when you uh, when you want something warm, when I fly, I put it in my bag and use it like a pashmina because I would get cold on the plane. It's just called a kikoi cloth and it's stunning, 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 beautiful. And those are made on looms. That's a centuries old skill. And these looms have been thrown away in mills that have upgraded their production. So that's another awesome thing where we're able to save a skill that would otherwise go away. So that's something. And then we have these bowls that are handmade and hand-painted in gold from Morocco at a, a, a factory that was also the last glass-blowing factory in Morocco that we were able to save. So they make these gorgeous bowls and we have these glass that are blown glass by hand. And I call them yacht glasses because they don't fall over. They have a flat bottom. They're about this tall, so they're perfect for whiskey. Um, I love whiskey. Uh, <laughs> we have all sorts, all sorts of gifts. There are little bags for women that are made from pop tops. This is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Anytime I carry it, I get compliments like you wouldn't believe. This is stitched together from pop tops. I can, my pop top. So things that you would normally not think of. We have women's robes, right, that are made of handmade cloth, hand-dyed cloth, that kind of thing. For men, we have bags that you would put your, your dot stuff in or all of your electrical cables, right, to travel or take somewhere, that kind of stuff. Lots and lots, pages and pages and pages of it. Pages and pages, that kind of stuff, as if it's all <laughs> just general stuff that we see in everyday American society. No, it's it's amazing. It's really cool to see because, like you said, it's very unique and, and you know, we, we're lacking that a little bit in today's world. So I think it's a really great opportunity for people to not only support, you know, a fantastic cause, but also to to get something that's a unique gift, you know, get something that stands out, that pops a little bit, you know, outside of maybe the, the $50 <laughs> gift card or, or uh, the Alexa or whatever it might be on Amazon. And don't forget the Aboriginal art. So Australian Aborigines hand painting these beautiful, beautiful, unique pieces of art. And a leather tote made by Ethiopian artisans. Everything's handmade. Every piece is gorgeous. And it just, it uh, wears beautifully. Oh, that sounds super nice. Fantastic. And now, one thing you said that I need to ask you about, that which I thought was super cool, was the company you saved in Morocco. Tell us a little bit about how you discovered the last company there and how you were able to, to bring that back uh, for the glass and make it so, so it survives. So... I was not involved with Logess at the time. I'm the one that joined to bring it retail. So my partner was involved at the time. And that company was 
going out of business until they were able to find us and say, hey, would you buy these products? Would you help us? Because this is it. There's not going to be glass blowing in Morocco anymore. And we were able to say, hey, yeah, what you have is beautiful. It's stunning. It's well made. Uh, this will last forever. This can be passed on as heirlooms. Yeah, let's uh, let's partner up together. And we have used their glasses and their bowls and a bunch of their products in uh, our corporate gifting. And now we have some of their pieces on our retail site as well, because it's just stunning. That's awesome. What about what about the corporate gifting? You know, when you brought those gifts in, you know, what were some of the, the responses from some of the, you know, your, your fellow co-workers and things of that nature as well? And, you know, they get these types of products because they are unique and, and maybe they wouldn't even expect them. So what, what were some of the reactions that they would get, you know? With someone who wasn't really looking for it. We have very, very, very good relationships with our, our corporate gifting companies, with our clients. They love it because we customize whatever they want. We work with all of our vendors for our corporate gifts and say, hey, you know, we need 70 of these, 150 of these, and we want it this color. We want it to say this. Can you put the logo on it? And everyone that gets it is just thrilled. And we keep track of what they get. If it's every quarter or every year and change it up, do different things for them. We have a very nice, nice relationship with our corporate clients. Uh, the different exposure. I love that with the different different gifts to keep track of that for, you know, however, you know, whether it's every holiday season or every quarter bonus gifts, whatever that might be. So who are some of uh, the, the clients that you have? Uh, Microsoft, Gates Foundation, University of Washington. Uh, we have some construction companies here. There's several companies that come to us pretty regularly. Salesforce. Yeah, I wouldn't say just several, some some pretty big name companies right there as well. Gates Foundation, UW, University of Washington, yeah. um, Microsoft, obviously, Salesforce. Wow. And some real estate companies as well that come to us for their end of year things with the realtors as well as the realtors come to us for their uh, housewarming gifts to every house that they close. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So it's like a housewarming. Now, see, that I feel like would be a perfect use case. You yeah. know, I mean, that sounds really great because a lot of these products that you have, to me, they seem like they would make great, great gifts for, for the house. I agree. A lot of them are. Yeah. Awesome, Heidi. So let's talk about how people can support, how people can help out and, and how people can, can support you, support these families, which in turn helps the communities, which in turn helps water, sanitation, and really makes... In my opinion, it makes an impact that's hard for, for people that don't understand or know to comprehend, right? Like that's, it's, it's a very big impact. And so just a little, little, little purchase or anything like that can go a long way. So tell us a little bit about how people can, can find you and, and follow you and support the group. Well, our website is largessecompany.com. And largesse means generosity. And anything you purchase really has a snowball effect on the the person that made your gifts and their family and their community. So number one thing is find something that you love, buy it for yourself, buy it as a gift. That would be fantastic. And we would be eternally grateful, not for us, but for the artist and the person that made it. And of course, follow us on social media and like our tweets, like our Instagram and forward it on. Would you make a comment? Tell your friends, please. That would be fantastic. We would be so grateful if you would help us really expand right now, help us scale. Help us reach more people so they're aware of the gifts, aware of all the unique, wonderful things that we're trying to sell. Pass it on. We would be grateful. 
Yeah, follow on social media, get the engagement, give some likes, some comments, some shares, some saves. That'd be great. All the things that helps the algorithm for it to go. And and that's Largest Company for those listening. You can uh, find Largest, that's L-A-R-G-E-S-S-E company.com uh, for the website. Uh, and you can find them as well via the, the social media uh, platforms as well. So Heidi, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think what you're doing is very cool and interesting as somebody who loves to travel. I'm a bit of a nomad. Uh, you know, I'm all over the place. Europe's coming up next for me. You know, South America, I'm going to return Southeast Asia. So for me, it was really interesting to hear because I've kind of seen some of the things that you've talked about. And I know the type of difference that it can make if they do have that opportunity to to get more profit, to, to make more money and the type of impact and scalability that that has for their family and their local community as well. Because, you know, unfortunately, in some of those places, um, they don't have access to, to some of the, the things that we don't even think about. We don't even think twice about. So I think what you're doing is super, super, super cool. Is there anything that, that you would like to add uh, about the company or about your experiences or, or anything that you want people to know? Well, I just want people to be, to rest assured that their dollars are going to build the world as they want to see it. Knowing that we are providing a living wage, knowing that we are taking care of the environment, knowing that we really do put our name behind every product, that it's going to be something that they will love for years to come. Beautiful. We're in a we're we're at a great point in in, in human history where we can really start to uplift people and, and do some great things to society and, and globally. Heidi, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and joining us here on the podcast. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege. That's uh, Heidi Metz, part of Largest Company. She and her partner have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful company that's gifting for good, I believe uh, is the slogan. And and what that is, is it allows artisans from all over the world, primarily women, women just, just by the nature of it as well. And it's an opportunity for them to get their products sold in different places. And like she talked about earlier, they're very unique, okay? They're unique products. So if you want something new, this is a great opportunity for you to kind of get on it. Uh, get on in it and buy it and, you know, surprise your significant other, your family members, your friends or whatever with the, your coworkers, whatever it might be with a cool gift. So you can do so at largestcompany.com. Everything's sustainable with the packaging. So we're supporting um, uh, environmentally friendly stuff. And then most importantly, you're really helping uplift these communities as well. So that's going to conclude another edition of the Talk and Solutions with the Chesh podcast. As always, we'll be highlighting Largest Company throughout uh, the week on our Instagram. You can find us at Talk and Solutions podcast and on Facebook. And of course, if you'd like to see a video representation of this podcast, or maybe you're watching on video, uh, it, we are found on YouTube as well. So thanks so much for tuning in. Looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our Talking Solutions podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.